Hi everyone, I'm Keisha Taylor-Wesseling for a Correction podcast today. Today is a very special day because I'm speaking to someone who I've known for a very long time and I haven't had the opportunity to voice the voice, so to speak, since high school. Yeah. Um, we are very, very privileged to have Dr. Vernal Noel with us today. Thank you for talking to me. Thank you for having me, Keish. Thank you. <laughs> Dr. Vernal Noel is a design scholar, architect, and artist whose research examines traditional and automated making cultures, practices, interdisciplinary creativity, and their intersections with society. Her scholarship and expertise include design in Trinidad Carnival and craft practices, and I invite you to have a look at her carnival-ai.com website. Her work in design and computation has been supported by the Graham Foundation, the Mozilla Foundation, amongst others. She holds a PhD in architecture from Pennsylvania State University, a Master's of Science in Architecture Studies from MIT, a Bachelor of Architecture from Howard University, and a Diploma in Civil Engineering from the John S. Donaldson Technical Institute. She is the founder, creator, and editor of Architecture Caribbean and founding director of the Situated Computation and Design Lab at the Georgia Institute of Technology, where she is currently assistant professor, College of Design and College of Computing. So, Vernal, how did you come to study architecture? So it's kind of a long story, as most of these things, but I always liked architecture. I think if you remember me from secondary school <laughs> art, I always enjoyed drawing buildings and just drawing on the whole. Um, but there was no architecture <clears throat> in Trinidad. And so I did civil engineering um, at John D. This way, Mr. Best at that time, Mr. Mr. Batiste, remember Mr. Batiste? Mm-hmm. He, because I was, I did TD with him in form three and then I moved on to Mr. Freitas for form four and five. Um, but he suggested I do civil engineering this way I could at least work in an architectural firm doing drafting so I did civil engineering I worked as an engineer and with architects I worked with Colin Lynn I worked with um, Brian O'Rourke Wiltshire Brian Awai and I hope that my love would be quenched by working with these firms but it wasn't going anywhere and so um, I even started doing an online kind of architecture course. And then my brother said, why you don't come up here and try to do this thing for real? And so cut to a short, a shorter story. I um, started my architectural studies at Howard. Okay. I um, remember school that you were doing like, you know, work <laughs> and like these building stuff and we were doing homework. How did he end up not getting away from homework? So number one, that teacher was too mean, <laughs> right? <laughs> she was mean as hell. Um, I was always baking with my mom. So, um, you know, I, I had, I enjoyed doing, doing TD. Like it was, I enjoyed having the T square. I enjoyed, like, I really loved it. I really loved it. And so I asked and found out if I could switch and I switched. And how has your experience in Trinidad and Tobago informed your approach to research and design? You know, I don't know that. Um, My 
culture of Trinidad and Tobago, I would say, has informed what I research. It's informed my approach to design and research. So I guess, yeah, that's the answer. So how? It's given me an appreciation of our culture that continues to grow and become deeper and deeper. Um, the more and more I study it and unpack it. So it keeps home close to me. And it makes my work, it matters who I center, right? So I'm centering my culture, my people. I'm centering voices and works that aren't usually centered, <clears throat> which in today's time of, you know, social justice issues and all these things um, augurs well for that. So I think it, it has impacted my approach to research in, in validating voices that have been historically excluded. Yeah. And um, what would you say computing means to you? Calculating. That's all. It could be with or without computers. It could be calculating with shapes, calculating with machines. <clears throat> computing means calculating to me. Though computing technically means using computers, computation meaning with or without computers. Um, but computing, computation, for me, it's <clears throat> technologies, calculations, machines. Yeah. Okay. And I find that you blend so many different ideas and concepts. What inspires you the most when developing your creations and designs? I would say questions. What if? <clears throat> what about? All right. Um, thinking of different ways to try different things and how in particular my work around craft and computing, um, how different communities could participate, engage in, and be part of processes, learning from them. So, you know, education, research practice, who is left out of these practices? How might we include them? Um, and just trying things when it comes to design, just exploring and uh, experimenting yeah okay and when you you know you take these creative approaches what challenges have you most had to face <clears throat> well sometimes things don't work or they don't work the way you want or you think that they might work um, which is the research process so having the idea or the question is just the start and I I don't think I am, um, well, yes and no. To some degree, unless something has a dead end, like it's a project, like you know what you, or you think you know what you want the result to be, and sometimes you don't get there. <clears throat> but I, I always appreciate the things I learn along the way. For me, that's the real takeaway of these processes. There are challenges, of course, like, Sometimes there are things you want to do, but you can't. It might be because of resources. It might be time. It might be skills that I don't have as yet. Um, but every challenge is another opportunity to learn. Yeah, I, I get a lot of opportunities to learn is what I would say. 
Okay. And where, where one of your papers where you trying to challenge the view that handcrafts um, and the people who practice them are different or in opposition to digital technologies and com- computing. Mm-hmm. Um, in Trinidad and Tobago, how do you see wire bending and other indigenous arts <clears throat> in Trinidad and Tobago as science and technology innovations? Um, they are innovations. <clears throat> Um, wire bending is a technology. It is mathematical. It is engineering. It is art. It is science. Um, so it is STEM. It is STEAM, right? I, <clears throat> I, I dwell in both worlds. My, my brain dwells in both worlds. And so I'm, I'm trying to do exactly what you, what you described and I wouldn't say trying to do because that divide has been strategic and planned and has worked for societies, right? There is a, a sort of technological class and there are the classes that do the hands-on dirty work, right? That was designed, that was planned, that was implemented so that it sort of stratifies who does what, right? So that was intentional. <clears throat> um, and so... That's not the way my brain thinks, especially coming from our culture where we bring everything together. Um, I don't think that's the way, we don't think that siloed. We think across borders and across things. I think that's what we bring to these very segregated forms of seeing the world. And so I think I'm trying to show both how they can benefit fit from each other, um, not privilege either, and show how things that exist in craft and compu- in craft also exist in computation and vice versa, and how both communities, both knowledge sets, both fields could learn from each other. Mm. In your TEDx presentation, you talk about why it's important to make, to learn, to discover, invent, and to live too. Uh, can you tell us a bit about this? Sure. Um, this is from my experience as in the TED talk. Like I um, understand, understood, enjoyed, played by actual things I made, tinkered with, did, right? They were always physical things, you, you know, whether it's your, in the kitchen with your grandma, in the garden with my granddad. Like there were always things. I, I learned the world through things. Um, and physically engaging with things, doing things. <clears throat> and um, as I mentioned previously, this separation that sort of happened was, was this an enlightenment sort of period? But for sure in architecture where the design was made separate from the craft and actually building architecture, right? Sort of to make the gentleman with the suit different from the laborer who would put the building together. <clears throat> and so it has it, that way of that kind of Western separation, as I mentioned, has served to make certain knowledges or privilege certain knowledges uh, against others. <clears throat> and 
for me, theory is hard for me to think of, think through if I don't have something concrete that I could attach it to and park question <clears throat> it. Um, and so not for us as a culture of people who I think are makers, right? Um, we think when we make, it's not like we just make things and we silent in the brain. We're having conversations with ourselves. We're having conversations with the things that we're making. And so this too is theory, us understanding the world by making. And so this making to think, making to learn is to remind us that we are also amazing, also smart, also intellectuals by our engagement in making. And we do not need to distance ourselves from making to claim we're intellectual or not. We are, because we could dwell in both worlds, right? The real and the abstract. And so, yeah, I, I especially in the context of carnival, um, the context of globalization, the context of commercialization, not wanting us to keep outsourcing all our knowledges, all our skills, but in our islands or countries, really developing our cultures of making, our histories of making, our practices of making, and not letting those things die out uh, is important. Hmm. It's interesting what you say, because it can't be that a certain demographic dominates like technology studies or engineering or physics or chemistry, because mm -hmm. that's the only demographic that can do that. Yeah. Why are there not more women? Why are there not more people, you know, from, you know, the Caribbean or from Africa or from... Correct especially you know why, why not it's not because they can't do it it's because it's siloed and they can't make the connection to what that is not uh, to not to mention gatekeepers right yeah that's a reality right yeah yeah for sure um are there any researchers or creators that have inspired you the most um at this time, because I, 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 I was thinking about that question, there is no most because there are so many of them, right? Um, so I can't call one. There are just many, <laughs> many, many over the many years. Um, but currently, <clears throat> researchers, scholars, Black scholars who are doing work in science, technology, and society studies around race, AI, and technology, um, that's the material or literature, I would say I'm over the past probably two or three years. That's been very exciting to me. Um, and there's a book I recently finished, which I'm recommending to uh, your work won't love you back. Um, the lady used to write for, I think New York times or something. I can't remember, but it's a great book. Um, but yeah, the, the real underground social results, implications of um, systems, be they institutional systems, economic systems, political systems, technological systems, these things are really interesting uh, to me or have been over the past few years. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. And your research is so creative, so innovative. And as far as I'm aware, you're the only one doing this type of research around architecture and wire bending mm-hmm. and the arts and AI as well. Um, and you've been given uh, grants by the my Mozilla Foundation and the Graham Foundation, mm-hmm. looking at the intersection um, of Trinidad Carnival design, arts, computer, computation, and AI. Can you tell us a bit about this work that you started doing? Sure. The Mozilla project, um, I'm exploring Carnival and AI and how we use, how we might explore um, Carnival as a vehicle through which to educate our people, our communities, that being Black and Caribbean diaspora, on the positives, the implications, and the and what's involved in artificial intelligence, because we are already implicated. Cambridge Analytica was in our um, involved in gerrymandering our elections, right? So using Carnival as a vehicle to teach our publics about AI, what they should be concerned about, to have discussions uh, of potential questions we had for policies that may come up eventually, um, so that we are more informed about ourselves as data, how our data are used, how we are or can be manipulated, as well as on the creative side, how we can use AI to uh, advance, explore, experiment with our carnival. Um, we had a workshop, we had two workshops last week, um, and on September 10th is when our big launch is supposed to be, so I'll keep you informed on that with the sort of rollouts we have around our explorations in AI and carnival. And the Graham Foundation thing, that is an exhibition where I plan to uh, exhibit histories and my explorations around design and making in Carnival. Okay, and how has the local response been to your work, like uh, amongst artists in the Caribbean and like even government and in the education system? Do they know what you're doing? Are they looking to learn from what you're doing and incorporate principles from what you do in, you know, other things. Mm-hmm. So in 2014, I won a grant from the U.S. government that supported my explorations around carnival, digital fabrication and design. Um, also, I won a small grant from Nihilist and my workshops, I conduct workshops in Trinidad when I could afford to because research takes money. Um, and so I conducted wire bending workshops at um, Bishops and Steen Trinity, uh, in Trinity, sorry. Where are we in 2021? This was in 2017 or 18. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, because repatriating those knowledges are important that butts up against the reality of the cost of doing research. Like there are certain things I just need money to be able to go home to do. I, for example, the 
wirebending grammar. Like I took that back to wirebenders, shared it with them, showed it to them, shared the grammar with teachers and students at Bishop's Ansley, like I mentioned, to test it because I was testing how it performed to evaluate it. Um, the workshops that I had last week, inviting you know friends and colleagues in you know within the diaspora, um, and that's all I could say for now. I have reached out. I did reach out a few times for to ask for like financial help to conduct some things, but you know we're limited on resources, so that's. All I could say for now, I try as much as my resources will allow me. Um, but these workshops, for example, that we have, that could be done online. So I don't have to like purchase materials and equipment and go down to Trinidad to conduct it. So in some ways, it, it, it's more cost effective. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's, that'll be the answer to your question. Yeah. Okay. Um, I really hope that a lot more people understand the value of it and how it be bounds, not just, uh, I mean, to societal development, economic, socioeconomic development, not just cultural development, innovation. Um, a lot of people think, you know, that we need, yeah, I mean, it's true, we need more technology innovation, but they don't see this as connected to that. And they don't see the connection of how this helps mm-hmm. you to become technologically advanced, scientifically advanced. So I really hope a lot more people recognize, you know, why this kind of research needs to be supported. Given that, what would be your ideal working situation in relation to resources, the type of environment that you would need or you would want to support the types of innovations that you develop in Trinidad and Tobago, but also just anywhere? Uh, well, I'll, I'll start in Trinidad because the U.S. is, is kind of different. And as faculty, you negotiate resources, but you kind of have an institution that has resources that might be different from us in the Caribbean. Um, <clears throat> but in the Caribbean, Trinidad and Tobago, this has been, Errol Hill has been asking for this since the 1980s, if not earlier, mm-hmm. um, for uh sort of national or a center of sorts. So he wanted a national museum to preserve carnival and carnival artifacts. What I would like is uh, like us to have is a center. You see like how Nicolana, she established a center at Howard University for Mm -hmm. us to have a center around um, carnival and technologies, right? Or histories in carnival and its technologies where um, research is happening, teaching is happening, practice is happening, and where we are putting money into uh, the humanities, science, and technology, like our carnival already is, but investing uh, mm-hmm. in, in those directions on a serious level. And I know that you've taught and worked in many countries, um, and I wondered, how do you see the approaches to this type of interdisciplinary way of working differ? Uh, what, do you, what have you liked in one place or another? You know, what, 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 what have you liked in the different places? Well, during the, part, the time of 
Um, remember Patrick Manning had Vision 2020? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although 2020. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. For those who don't know, that was that was a former prime minister of Trinidad and Tobago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And even though 2020 ended up being a crappy pandemic, yeah. Um, the vision for Vision 2020 was an amazing one. Mm-hmm. And in 2012, I went to Singapore for a summer to conduct research during the summer. And then I went back in 2013 to teach. And Singapore, I think um, Prime Minister Manning pulled from Singapore a lot for his vision. Mm-hmm. And being there, I remember feeling oh, if only we were able to achieve this because they too are a small island, but their their political, I mean, it's a kind of nanny state, but their overarching vision of what they want for their country felt clear, right? So they want to be cutting edge in certain types of education, cutting edge. Like there were these goals that, all citizens could work toward. Unfortunately, Trinidad and Tobago were not there as a people. Um, I don't, don't know if I want to say any more, but there are definite sort of factions, if you know what I mean, things being more politicized than seeing the bigger picture of this country that we all are part of. Um, and their investment, the government's investment in technology, in science, in in that kind of education for its, in the arts, for its citizens was amazing. There was always something cultural or art-based happening. The universities I taught at were very well-funded. Robots, like they were really Mm. well-funded. And so that aspect of Singapore, I would like, I would say what we have, which I continue to think in the Caribbean, we have, we have, we are fluid people, fluid thinkers. We aren't siloed people. Our brains wander into different spaces. And I, I like, I, we should know that that makes us special versus other more Western quote unquote Western worlds, which silo people's brains and their skills. We have some siloing too. Yes. But outside of school and that kind of thing, Thing. We, we are a very fluid people. Um, and so us really honing in that and appreciating that and using that to build our country, I think, is, is fantastic. Uh, what else? Yeah, and a focus on, on youths and youth development. Again, I know Prime Minister Manning had great goals for that, but we need to help our youth uh, in Trinidad and Tobago. And what advice would you have for any young person right now? You know, we in this challenging time, um, you know, where people, you know, they're not too sure what their next step should be. You know, there's so much changes technologically, mm-hmm. being educated remotely and all of this type of stuff, all this uncertainty. Do you have any advice for them given your own journey? That there are some things you can control and some things you can't, right? I've had immense obstacles and I still have a lot of obstacles, things that are just beyond my control. And to know that 
systems were created, built, and designed before we came on this planet. Oh, no, let me say before we were born. Mm-hmm. And they are working the way they are because it's amazing to me how in a capitalist society, it seems to be the healthiest when there's a pandemic. When people are dying, capitalism survives and becomes even more profitable. Crazy, right? So um, understanding your history, our history is important. Reading, right? You know, not just online Facebook things, but actually reading so that you're understanding these histories of society. I I really believe historians could see the future, right? So reading histories. um, One skill, one thing that's really important is teaching yourself. Don't depend on your teacher, your school to teach you everything. There isn't enough time in the day. Um, Make time to teach yourself new skills, new just always spend time trying to teach yourself um, because our time is not our parents' time and it just keeps getting harder and harder. So you have to prepare and equip yourself for these changes. So when one, what, when one well dries up, you could jump to another one because the days of having the same job for 10, 20, 40 years, that's not the case anymore. Two years, four years, five years, people changing jobs every year. So um, educating yourself, learning, teaching yourself things, reading so that you're nimble, um, I would say would be the advice for all generations. Because I feel some of the, I was telling this to my nephew, the amount of things I feel like his generation and those coming forward have to balance even my generation, I, there are some things that, like, now we kind of gain a taste on it. But, I mean, jobs, like, everything is so fickle, right? These mm-hmm. racist structures, police brutality, like, all of these things that they will have to pick up and deal with again. Mm-hmm. And, and they're doing a great job thus far, but it's more work on their hands to survive. 